Hello and welcome to all radio entrepreneurs, listeners, and viewers. I'm producer Nathan Gobes, and I'm excited to introduce you to part two of the Radio Entrepreneurs FBA Family Business Panel Discussion, December 2021 edition. In this edition of the panel discussion, which will be broken into three parts, we'll be covering topics related to trusts that own and operate a family business, and when is the right time for a family business to sell. If you have not yet seen part one of this panel discussion, we recommend you head over to radioentrepreneurs.com or any of our many channels to catch our first segment where we discuss other topics. All of these discussions are intended to be highly relevant to family businesses, but also entrepreneurs of all types. So be sure to follow Radio Entrepreneurs on LinkedIn, YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, Facebook, or any of the many other platforms we stream on to catch the third segment as it goes live later this week. Next, I'll introduce our panels, panelists for the and the host for this discussion. For their full introductions, please refer back to episode one, which is linked in the description below. We're joined today by Stephen Wilchins of Wilchins, Cosentino & Novins, Rob Rosenfield of Cape Vista Capital, and formerly of J.N. Phillips Autoglass and True Road, Road Holdings, as well as Dale Sands and Chris Perry of Northern Trust. Welcome, everyone. Thank you. Of course, we also have a man who needs no introduction, Radio Entrepreneur's host and founder of Mage LLC, Jeffrey Davis. Welcome, Jeffrey, and I'll hand the conversation over to you now. Well, thank you. And I did not write that introduction for me. Uh, I think uh, it's kind of modest in that whole perspective. It, quite a formidable group we've uh, accumulated here. But, you know, I have a question around trustees, and I think this is a subject that most business owners, family business owners, really they have a lot of trouble with, and uh, they're not comfortable. Uh, you know, what are some of the issues and concerns that people need to uh, look at in regarding bringing in a trustee, your estate plan, and, and how it affects and works with the whole business and family business in general? I think it's, again, this is a very clouded area. Families are just starting to get into the concept of boards, boards of advisors, and now we're introducing this much more sophisticated level of trustee. So I'm, I'm hoping that you can put some light onto this topic. Who wants to go there first? Jeff, can I can I dive in first? And I, I know my panelists are, are all better qualified than I to talk about this, but from my background, working with families um, in the estate planning context, I'll say that the ability to take an interest in a family business, set it aside and trust has an, a number of really important advantages for families. So We'll start with just the, you know, the estate tax minimization, um, the ability to have um, uh, the, uh, an interest in the business outside of the taxable estate can save enormously on estate taxes. Remember here in Massachusetts, we have a, uh, an estate tax as well as the federal estate tax. And um, that's an important consideration for business owners who want their family businesses to stay in the family for multiple generations. Every generation has an estate tax. And if you don't plan for it well, you may lose the business trying to raise the, the funds for the estate tax. I'll also say that, that legacy and stewardship of a family um, treasure over multiple generations can be uh, hugely facilitated by a, a trust structure. Um, we'll talk about the role of the trustee and how, it, uh, how that role coordinates with the family, but it's important to appreciate that when done well, a trustee can be enormously uh, helpful at guiding a family through multiple generations um, and, uh, and all of the complex uh, um, family dynamics that go along with that. 
there are lots of other important reasons. I'll stop there. I know the other panelists have will have great contrib contributions, but I, I appreciate being able to kick that off. So I, if I may, so I think it depends on who the trustee is, Chris, because let's take Northern, for example. Northern has a lot of depth and experience. And to the extent you can draw on Dale's experience on the business side, that's, that's very helpful to the company. Dale's going to bring an expertise to help the trustee, okay, that is servicing the account. But a lot of times clients don't have that mix. And so either they're selecting a family member or they're selecting, you know, an, a bank, a local bank, and, and it's a struggle of who they are going to, who is really going to run the business and have an impact on the business, who is going to vote and who's going to make the management compensation decisions that need to be done. So it's really, I think the client or the uh, taxpayer has to look through you know, who is my trustee? Clearly, Northern is an excellent choice, but at the same time, um, you know, if they don't select a Northern, what do they do and how do they figure out to make it work uh, for the family and the business? Uh, just for clarification with the group, uh, uh, who here has and, and, and or is or ever been a trustee? Steve? I, yeah, many times. Uh, Dale. Okay. All right. That's good for our listeners. Anybody else want to add to? Uh... Yeah, yeah, I would add one last thing, you know, for a corporate trustee. I mean, the shareholders, the family, they're getting the benefit of experience. They're getting the benefit of process. And lastly, they're getting the benefit of the challenge of the corporate trustee and frankly, accountability. So those last couple of points, I think, are pretty critical. Um, and certainly benefits that a corporate trustee that has that experience can bring to the table. But Dale, you're talking about the trust issues. Okay, you're not focusing down on the business side to the extent the trustee is actually running the business. Okay, there's marketing issues, there's accounting issues, there's, you know, what the next industry is, how the company is moving. Those all are different than what the trustee's role is. So if you, if you have a substantial uh, business that is served by a trustee, that trustee needs to be equipped to deal with Absolutely. those issues. Absolutely. Well, that, that brings up an interesting part, Steve, and that is do trustees have a personal liability in, 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 in their business role? So... Uh, depends on the jurisdiction, obviously, but there's, you know, it depends on which type of role they're playing um, because there's different structures of how the trustee could serve. It could serve as a directed trustee in a jurisdiction like Delaware and New Hampshire, for example. And so the, tr the administrative trustee would not be liable for the trustee that's working on the business side. And that was done to prevent to encourage trustees to run businesses, okay? But at the same time, in Massachusetts, that's not the same. And so uh, I think there's a lot more liability. And then especially if the trustee is a ma major shareholder and has input on major decision, that's going to create some liability because there are different standards of how the trustee should serve. 
Yeah, I think this is a great discussion, Chris. Thanks for kicking it off. And Steve and Dale for your insights. I think I'd give two or three like acid test statements for a family. Number one, hey, do you want this to be multi-generational? Because if you do, you better think about the liquidity issues around someone's demise, right? Because it could, as Chris said, it could just stick a knife in the business and that's it. We need to sell it. We need to sell it under duress for a liquidity problem. You don't want to have that. Now, maybe you find other ways around that, but as a family, you have to have that conversation. What happens if, you know, my family had a family member pass away in his thirties. I was like, no one expected that. It's like stuff's going to happen. So you got to address it back to the first thing I said, why do family businesses run into problems because they sweep stuff under the rug. Don't sweep that under the rug. You have to deal with the liquidity around shares passing from one generation to the next and the government taking their cut of that. Deal with it. Number two, are there family members that are not in the business or are unlikely to be in the business? Because it puts another stress on the system. If you're in a senior generation and you got six, eight, 10. In the next generation, maybe three want to come in, come in and seven don't. But you got to deal with the compensation and the like. If you take putting shares in trust, having a trustee together with the overall view of corporate governance, uh, do that in advance. It'll all, be, it'll all be healthier. But then the third piece is what Stephen refers to. If you are possibly or likely or do end up in a situation where a trust is the majority governing shareholder, um, the corporate governance questions should not be confused with trustees fiduciary duties. They like have to be, it's complicated. You know, I bought the manuals from the NACD for my family members. I, I think they used them for kindling in the fire, you know, <laughs> on the weekend. But I provided it to them. Duty of care, duty loyalty, all, all the stuff you would read in the, you know, brochures, NACD, National Association of Corporate Directors, to try and educate all the constituents about the tenets of corporate governance. That's different. Did they buy in and did they... Use it and did they perform to it? But it puts some semblance of structure. And I think, you know, so that's the last point. What is corporate governance? What is trustee fiduciary duty? They each have an important function they can play. And when they overlap, really important to understand what hat does that person have on in that conversation. Yeah. The other issue, Bob, which is thank you for explaining that is the advanced planning that Chris mentioned because the trust document could incorporate that one doesn't have to diversify, that they can hold that major asset. That's an issue that they Mm -hmm. need to deal with. And then the duty to inform. So to the extent we draft a document that anticipates that that the company business, which will be the major asset of a trust would be a would be uh, held by the trust, then the question is, does the beneficiaries consent to that? So these are good standards 
that you would draft that, you would have the beneficiary's consent. Maybe you would want the court to at least uh, rule on this to the extent it's a touchy issue. I think these are all issues that you would want to do proactively. Absolutely. You know, uh, does anybody else want to address that before we move on? No. You know, are there tax advantages in the business in transferring shares to a trust? Go ahead, Chris. All right. Um, <laughs> so maybe, maybe I'll do the alley-oop to you. It, 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 their the trust structures can be enormously powerful um, at helping families minimize taxes. And we've talked about the estate tax already. Um, there's another tax called the uh, generation skipping transfer tax that's designed to tax transfers from grandparents to grandkids. Trust can be very helpful at, at eliminating that uh, tax entirely. And then there are all kinds of, of uh, you know, um, potential income tax um, advantages that, that are, are out there. Not every trust will necessarily take advantage of them, but, um, but the, the, the trust structure really is a very powerful one when it comes to a family looking to minimize overall taxes. How you do that, how you achieve that end is something that Steve is a particular expert in. And when you have an asset like a family-owned business, which is illiquid by its very nature, not um, able to be easily sold, you can enjoy um, you know, discounting the value of that asset when making transfers for transfer tax purposes into a trust in a way that um, can... Uh, uh, get enormous value to future generations at fairly limited uh, transfer uh, tax cost. And that's an area that um, we've worked with Steve a lot and, and there's nobody better. So Steve, well, over to you. Well, I mean, as you address this, I, I would assume that insurance becomes an important part of this whole process. Is that correct, Steve? Yes. Insurance also complements the planning to the extent you can plan early with regards to some of the value of the stock. Um, it may not need insurance, but certainly insurance planning is invaluable. And, you know, the premium financing type structure is also very helpful for clients in the insurance type of structure. The, the other issue I just wanted to pick up with what Chris said, there's also moving the trust to another jurisdiction is very important. Um, for example, if a family business was thinking about selling in over a few years, they may move some of the interest to a Delaware non-grantor trust and possibly save, if it's large enough, save a lot of the state income tax. So that's, a, that's one issue. The other thing is the 1202 stock, which is the small business uh, incentive where you can receive it up to $10 million, greater of $10 million or your basis on stock when you start a company owned in a C corporation. So those are things that you should be thinking about and planning uh, when you are working with your advisors. I'm going to go to our next question. I'm sorry if I have to interrupt all of you. Uh, you know, uh, governance is an important topic when you're looking at all these things. I think all of you know that. So what things should you consider and weighing in designing a trust when it comes to governance in a family business. One thing I, if I may, yep. I'm going through it right now, wrestling with shareholders of a large business 
that, I, I mean, are beneficiaries of trust. <coughs> and they're making the decisions in the company, but they don't want to be involved with the company. So intellectually, I have trouble with that, even though the, the client is insisting that that should be the way to go. And I think that is a recipe for disaster at some point that, you know, beneficiaries that are assumed, that want the distributions, okay, but they have no sense of the business or want to attend meetings, I think uh, are really problematic that needs to be thought through very carefully. Anybody else want to take a, yes, uh, a lot of that one? Uh, Derek, one of the things that, that we at Northern Trust is, as a trustee um, like to have in the documents is the power in, in some way, shape, or form to remove and replace. From our standpoint, if it's not working well, we don't want to be in a situation where there isn't a mechanism for the family to essentially say, we'd like to go a different direction here. Sometimes it can be a vote of the, you know, the family or a majority of family members or a majority of a senior generation of family members. Other times it's a role that a trust protector plays, um, but that ability to uh, diffuse a situation where a trustee is not working out with the family um, is very important from a governance uh, standpoint. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, Chris, you just touched on the trust protector plays a very important role. A trust protector is really an objective uh, per, a fiduciary that actually reviews and looks at what the trustee is doing. And if the trust is large enough, it's very important to have that role served uh, because it, it provides a lot of benefit to the family, to the company, to the assets in the trust. Yeah. Can I just say one other thing? We've talked a little bit about the Northern, uh, about Delaware, uh, New Hampshire, Northern Trust has a uh, Delaware and Nevada office um, where we serve as tr trustee in those jurisdictions. And I want to just highlight that um, it really is a, a different kind of a trust structure in that the, a family that wants to have complete control over the family business, but wants to transfer assets out of the family control uh, from an administration standpoint and into a trust that is outside of the taxable estate for estate tax purposes can, can kind of have their cake and eat it too. They can get the asset into a trust, but then have complete control over the management and oversight of the business. Um, so I just, I wanted to highlight that that is actually a unique kind of um, structure. Uh, not all jurisdictions allow that. Many jurisdictions essentially impose upon the trustee the duty to fully uh, own, manage, oversee, uh, and, and apply the prudent investment standard to everything that they own in the trust. Not so in Delaware. It's a, it's a different, um, uh, different structure. Thank you, everyone. That was another great conversation. Uh, this wraps up part two of this December edition of the FBA Family Business Panel Discussion. Thank you to all our listeners and viewers who have tuned in for this segment on Radio Entrepreneurs. Links will be provided in the video's description below to part one if you didn't already hear it and part three of the discussion as it goes live to hear more on these topics. And if you're a fan of our videos, please be sure to link to like, comment, share and subscribe and press the bell button. That helps immensely. Radio Entrepreneurs is also highly active on LinkedIn, so be sure to follow our page there as, as well for more business advice and discussions. 
Until next time, goodbye and thanks for listening. We'll be back with more stories on Radio Entrepreneurs.